0: We welcome you to the Lutheran Prayer Hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Jesus Christ
0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jacob wrestles literally with God. The Canaanite woman in today's gospel wrestled figuratively with Jesus. And we wish that we could wrestle free of St. Paul in the epistle lesson from 1 Thessalonians, where he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification which means that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, and that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And of course, the easy way to wrestle free is to blame the messenger. This is Paul, and he is so insensitive, so strict, so judging. We might as well just disregard Paul. Best way to avoid a bully is to walk away, right? Well, this is why verse 8 of today's text cannot be left out. Here it is again. Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, the same God who gives you his Holy Spirit. We struggle with Jesus' words today also. He says, I'm not sent to you, O Canaanite woman, And to our ears, it sounds like a bit of a racial slur when he adds in, it's not right to take the children's bread, that is, Israel's Messiah, and throw him to the dogs, Gentiles like you. Actually, if you know the background to this story, it's far worse. The Canaanites, the people from Tyre and Sidon, the region north of Jerusalem on the coast of the Mediterranean, these people should not even exist Because God commanded Joshua and the generals of Israel to conquer the promised land, lock, stock, and barrel. Nobody was to be left alive. Every Canaanite man, woman, and child was to be eradicated. God ordered genocide. So would you follow through with his word? I suspect not. We have a way in our modern wisdom of thinking ourselves wiser than everyone who came before us. No surprise, that certainly includes God. We would be more charitable than he would. We would be less barbaric. We've long preferred the New Testament to the Old because we thought in our cursory reading that the Old Testament was nicer, the nicer Testament. Well, today's gospel reading certainly calls that into question, doesn't it? Here's Jesus himself telling this woman, "No." The disciples voice our opinion, don't they? They want Jesus to help her quickly, if not out of compassion, at least to keep her quiet. This is bad PR. But Jesus says no to them also, and we object to that. We don't want to follow through with Jesus' words. Well, Old Testament Israel didn't either, and they did not, in fact, slay the Canaanite peoples as God commanded. There was even DNA evidence found fairly recently that confirms that fact. Canaanite blood still exists to this day. And if you know something about the Canaanites, then you might not be so quick to spare them. Because these are the kind of people who sacrifice their own children to their gods. They cut their bodies open gruesomely. Slavery, of course, was common, except without any of the limitations or compassion that God had commanded Israel to show to their servants, and no hope of freedom either. And immorality, of all the sorts that St. Paul forbids, it was not only practiced, it was a way of worship for the Canaanites. Marriage and family, that was a joke. Life, Was cheap to them. And God did not want Israel falling for any of that. He did not want Canaanite foolishness destroying the wisdom of a godly life. And He did not want Israelite men and women carried off through bad friends or unequal marriages, which would water down not their race, but their faith. All of the very things, in fact, which happened since Israel disobeyed God's command and let the Canaanites remain. Now, knowing all of this godlessness might help us gain a bit of perspective on why God would command the destruction of such a people for the sake of protecting his own people, from whom the offspring, that is the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, was to come. And when we hear that these Canaanite peoples worshipped immorality and despised marriage and considered life a cheap commodity, even to the point of mothers sacrificing their babies to advance their own happiness. Well, now perhaps we object to God's Old Testament judgments because we can see that it just as easily falls against us, against our advanced society, just as easily as it did against those wicked peoples as well. Lord have mercy on us. The Roman Gentiles of the first century, Paul's time, were known for the very same sorts of practices as the ancient Canaanites, and also of our 21st century civilized America. So St. Paul writes, that all of the Christians are to continue to walk and to please God more and more properly, as they were already doing, and yet he writes it sternly, as if he knew that many were not. The will of God has not changed since the days of the Canaanites. His will is that husband and wife be so fully joined to one another that no one else comes in between them. His will is that our bodies and our marriage beds be kept pure, not just during, but also before marriage. His will is that we learn to have self-control and not be brutish beasts and animals, the very thing the world insists that we are and accordingly encourages us to be. And as Hebrews chapter 13 says, the marriage bed is to be kept pure and to be held in honor among all. Why? because it is a public matter, not a private one, what two people are doing with their bodies. And marriage, a very public ceremony, makes that absolutely clear. Children, as well, make that absolutely clear. And that's true whether you're in a marriage or not. So, St. Paul adds, "...let no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter." It is a destructive influence to fellow Christians, married or unmarried, when someone, whether they're young or old, does not possess his or her vessel in honor and holiness. And the Lord, even if we don't have the fortitude to follow through with his word, the Lord is an avenger in these things. And those who disregard God's solemn warning are not being noble, they are not overcoming centuries of religious hangup. they are giving in to millennia of paganism. Canaanite, Roman, it makes no difference. They're not standing up to a bully pastor or a bully apostle named St. Paul. They are falling. They are falling just as Adam and Eve did in last Sunday's Old Testament reading. They are disregarding and rejecting God, the one who created them, the one who gave them paradise. And we now are disregarding and rejecting the God who gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, that's a very loaded phrase, of course. The Lord gave you his Holy Spirit in your baptism. And by his word, he continues to impart this same Holy Spirit but when you drive him out, when you resist his work, when you tell him to be quiet, you are saying no to salvation. You're putting yourself in great danger. You are searing your conscience against God's word so that it will no longer reach you, no longer accuse you, no longer have any effect on you at all. And that can only end in one place, a seared heart likewise against the forgiveness of those sins that you refuse to give up. Repent. Repent and believe the gospel. Repentance and faith wrestles. All of the readings today show that. It wrestles against our own sinful nature. And in so doing, it wrestles also with God, not to reject or overcome him out of anger and self-righteousness to get him off our backs. No, but to overcome his wrath and to arrive at his mercy. It is like the humble wrestling of the Canaanite woman today, sticking to Christ with a singular prayer and confession, Lord, have mercy on me, help me, save me, sanctify me. And finally, catching Jesus in his own words laid out for us, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The woman caught Jesus in the word dog. Fine, I will be a dog who eats from the master's table, and that's who you are, my master. We, likewise, dear saints, catch God in Jesus himself. We catch him in the incredible fact that God has, in Christ, reconciled the world. That's prideful Jews as well as wicked Gentiles, all of us to himself. And he is then in Christ, not counting our trespasses against us. If Christ has been offered up as the sacrifice for the world's sins, then my sins, which are many, must be included in that also. And so we will come before him and confess, amend our lives, and live from the confidence of his own promise that our sins are forgiven and that we are declared right, not by what we've done, but right, by his own righteousness through his blood. Thus, when St. Paul reminds us again with such a solemn warning as we have heard today that we must not disregard God's commandments as if they were man's opinions, he asks and he urges us in the Lord Jesus as brothers called by God in holiness. He addresses us, you and me, not as enemies, but as those baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of what baptism indicates, that the old Adam in us by daily contrition and repentance must be drowned and die, and that the new man daily must emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity. That is what the Holy Spirit does, sanctifies us, puts us to death in repentance and raises us anew in faith continuously. There's a constant wrestling match, struggle against our flesh, subduing our sinful natures, drowning our old Adam. And it isn't going to happen apart from the Holy Spirit's work. And it can't be successful at all except by faith that receives God's promises. I have been crucified with Christ. That is the implication of baptism that unites us to his death. So it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, the new man raised from death. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Race, pedigree, niceness, and pride will get you nothing. You will gain nothing through your own advanced way. But those who come with nothing, nevertheless trusting in this Jesus, they gain everything from him. Nothing but Christ is everything. For he is the one who has destroyed in place of this Canaanite woman. And even he was destroyed in place of you so that what was unholy in each of us might be sanctified, might be forgiven in his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. Keep us, both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns, with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made, and you forgive the sins of those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may obtain from you the God of all mercy, perfect forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who live and reign with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lutheran Prayer Hour is brought to you each Sunday morning by the Lutheran Congregations of the Missouri Synod in Southeast North Dakota. This morning's broadcast was conducted by the Rev. Sean Denzer, visitor of the Southeast Circuit. If you have no church of your own, we extend a cordial invitation to hear God's Word with us at one of our Southeast Circuit congregations. You can find service times, sermons, and other information for the Faithful Lutheran Church nearest you at sendlcms.org, that's O-R-G, including Trinity Lutheran in Great Bend, the sponsor of this morning's broadcast. Their service is every Sunday at 8:45 a.m. If you have any questions about the Bible, the Lutheran Church, or any comment regarding this broadcast, Address them to KBMW 605 Dakota Avenue, Wahpeton, North Dakota, 58075. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.